Highland Falls, El Paso, Clarksville, Watertown, and from other important military capitals around the globe. Eye on Defense brings the top military and defense issues into focus. Eye on Defense is proudly sponsored by Big Sarge Pre-Owned TA-50 Emporium and The Last Hope Jewelry and Pawn. And now, citizens of Earth, brace yourselves for the next episode of Eye on Defense. Defense, 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 defense. All right, we're back, everybody. This is episode 163. I think it's 163. Today is 10 September. I just did an episode uh, 8 September. But I had a lot of extra extra stories. I had some stories I didn't get to in that episode. <clears throat> so I'll get to them in this episode. And hopefully I can do it in 30 minutes, but I don't know. The stories just started lining up. I couldn't. Anyway. We have some stuff from Ukraine, three stories from Ukraine, uh, three stories from Poland that I didn't get to last episode, and then some stuff out in the Pacific. And one of the stories we're going to lead with, the three Ukraine stories, is the Tacoms. We talked about it last episode, how I fully expect one one morning I'm going to wake up and see Tacom missiles have been authorized for Ukraine from the United States. Well, there's a story about that. Uh, this is from the Kiev Post from 10 September, which is today. A really nice story. Uh, Attackums for Ukraine. Kiev's hopes rise. U.S. decision coming soon from the Kiev Post. Hopes rise. Decision coming soon from the United States. Hopes are rising in Kiev that the United States could be on the verge of announcing it will send the long-requested Attackums missile to Ukraine. According to a report in the Financial Times on Sunday, today, President Biden is close to making a final decision on sending the weapons to Kiev to bolster its counteroffensive against Russian forces. <clears throat> a decision could be coming soon, a senior Biden administration official told the newspaper. doesn't say who it was. Uh, the Financial Times also said that Yermak, who is the chief of staff to President Zelensky, was confident that the United States would agree to ascend the Tacoms. And here's a quote from him. He says, yes, we are talking about it in every conversation with Jake Sullivan, who's a national security advisor. This question comes up or arises. They agreed that attackums are very much needed. I believe it will be agreed upon very, very soon. Uh, end of quote. So if confirmed, it would mark yet another turn in U.S. policy on which weapons to provide to Ukraine. In February, both official and non-official or unofficial U.S. statements said unequivocally they would not be providing attackums. Uh, it was assumed that this was because of fears that Ukraine would use the enhanced capability to attack targets on Russian territory. Many commenters in Ukraine government hoped that the United States position would change as they had done with other weapons such as the F-16. The president of Ukraine and other Ukra Ukrainian government officials have taken every opportunity to press the case for attackums. They believe that the 300-kilometer range of the attackums is essential for destroying Russian command posts, logistic areas, and reserve formations in rear areas which is why exactly the weapon was designed for and will meet the same requirement as the U.S. Army. Uh, the attackers would allow Ukraine forces to target all enemy positions in Russian-occupied territories, including airfields, supply routes, storage sites, and facilities in Crimea. On 20 July, uh, Yermak, who again is Zelensky's chief of staff, said attackers is, where, is at the top of Ukraine's wish list for weapons, 
Another advantage of the attackums is that other than the range, it's the fact that it's ground launched. While Ukraine already has the Anglo-French Storm Shadow missile with a range of 250 kilometers, these have to be launched from a specially adapted aircraft of which Ukraine is relative few. Of course, <clears throat> this is me talking. Everybody knows that the attackums can be fired from a, a high Mars or MLRS, which I think we'll get to in a minute. The Attackums is a tactical ballistic missile manufactured by Lockheed Martin. Uh, development of the missile started in 1980. It's based on a requirement for long-range non-nuclear capability to strike enemy rear area and logistics areas. has a range of 300K. It can be fired from the M270 multiple launch rocket system, also known as MLRS, which is a track-mounted, or the M142 HIMARS, which is uh, wheeled, of course, high-mobility artillery rocket system. Both of them are in use by the armed forces of Ukraine. A little bit of history on the Attackums. This is a very nice section right here of the article. Originally intended as both air and ground launch weapon, the Joint Tactical Missile System, that's what it was called, the JTACMs. But the Air Force withdrew from the program in 1984, so the Joint, the J was replaced, replaced by Army, and it became ATACMs. Good bit of history there. I like that. Uh, there are five variants, and we'll go over them. Uh, M39, inertially guided, carrying 950 M74 anti-personnel and anti-material submunitions with a range of 25 to 165K. Production ceased in 1997. Total produced 1,650. The next variant is M39A1, GPS-aided guidance. The size of the motor is increased resulting in a reduced payload of only 300 M74 anti-personnel submunitions. Maximum range increased to 300K, though. Production ceased in 2003. Total produced 610. Now we get to the M48 variant. GPS-aided guidance fit with a 230-kilogram 230 payload penetrating high-explosive blast fragmentation warhead. Uh, the same as the Navy's Harpoon anti-ship missile, max range of 300K. Production is from 2001 to 2004. Total produced 176. And then the next variant, the M57, which is an improvement of the M48 with greater accuracy. Uh, target error is 9 meters. Production from 2004 to 2013. Total produced 513. And the last variant is the M57E1. Upgraded... Uh, with an improved motor, updated navigation and guidance software and hardware. It has a WAU-23B warhead section instead of M74 anti-personnel submunitions. Production commenced in 2017 with a total assessed quantity of 1,200. My guess is if they was to get anything, they would get the M57 maybe, but I don't know. Uh, work on the attack was replacement in 2016, which we know is the precision strike missile. Uh, its planned in-service date is supposed to be this year, 2023. Precision strike missiles in, envisioned to be fired from the two uh, MLRS or the HIMARS, and will have a range of 500 kilometers or 300 miles. So that would be a monster. So really good article. They did their research on this one, talked about the five variants. So I'm going to do something I shouldn't do, but I'll do it anyway. I'll do math in public, as they say. So if they produce M39-1650 and the M39-A1, they produce 610. 
and they produce 176 M148, or I'm sorry, M48, and then 57, they produce 513. And then M57E1, they produce 1200. For a grand total of high Mars ammo, 7, 14, 7 and 6 is 13, 14, 19, 21. For a grand total of 4,147 rounds of high Mars, supposedly were manufactured, if my math is right. I don't know if my math is right. 4147. I should have done that before I hit hit record, but... Anyway, I just felt like doing it. So that's it. Good article. Next Ukraine story, Ukraine counteroffensive analysis. West needs to help Kiev outrange Russians protect own artillery. This is a really good story from Tim Martin. Of course, breaking defense. The date is 6 September. Don't know how I missed this one. Tim Martin usually does all the air stuff. But uh, he's showing his range here, pun intended, on uh, our artillery story. So here we go. Leading defense Think Tank has recommended international partners start investing more resources now, especially with thoughtful artillery support to support Ukraine's counteroffensive against Russia this winter. Uh, this is from uh, a think tank called Russi, Royal United Services Institute. Uh, the recommendation features in a report published on Monday. The report looks at case study of warfighting trends and tactical decisions taken over a two-week period of fighting in Ukraine. And here's their idea. So based on around the idea of offensive success depends on fire's dominance, this report argues that Ukraine requires properly resourced ammunition production and spares for a consolidated artillery park if it is, continues, if it is to sustain such dominance. An artillery park is widely considered a large encampment housing field artillery from guns to ammunition and spare parts. So the report says they need a field artillery park which is a large encampment housing field artillery with guns ammunition spare part okay moving on uh, new analysis calls on international partners to ensure the proposed artillery park is developed while also working to cut down an existing supply of 17 systems artillery systems operated by ukraine to focus on maintaining a limited range of guns at a greater scale that makes sense they got too many different variants right let's pick you know, like the United States Army, they got the track version and the towed version of 155s, and they got a 105. So they got basically three pieces in that, you know, 450,000 active duty, and they've got three artillery pieces, basically. But it looks like Ukraine, because everybody's donating catch-as-catch-can, they got 17 systems. So probably that's a good recommendation. Back, back to the article, outranging the Russians combined with having a better means of detecting enemy artillery and carrying out counter-battery fires is an essential Ukrainian advantage. That's an, any advantage for any army that can do that, right? Uh, this advantage is limited in duration by the serviceability of Ukraine's artillery pieces, the availability of replacement barrels, and the continued supply of 155mm ammunition. Uh, no surprise there. The report argues that some of the challenges facing Ukraine are the result of international partners failing to meet equipment requirements in 2022. Additionally, Kiev must wrestle with the difficulty of protecting guns from Roy Russia's loitering munitions, such as the Lancet 3M. And then here's some other recommendations from the report. Uh, one is more use of algorithmic 
image analysis from UAVs to map minefields quicker. That's one. Number two, providing better staff officer training. Number three, uh, refining collective training so Ukrainian units can train in a matter of closer to how they fight. Uh, despite the authors acknowledging that Ukraine's armed forces have suffered heavy rates of equipment loss, they point out that supply of armored fighting vehicles from international partners have prevented the loss from converting in a high number of killed personnel. Despite operational setbacks, Ukraine is sorting through a leadership shakeup as Ukrainian Defense Minister Reznikov resigned from office on Monday, which was a few, you know, last Monday. Uh, in announcing the reshuffle, Ukrainian President Zelensky said Ukraine needs new approaches in the fight against Russia. So not only were they talking about artillery park in this report, apparently they're talking about staff training and then uh, mapping minefields. What else? And protecting guns from loitering munitions, right? I mean, I think anybody, certainly the audience that listens to this show, uh, could probably told you all of that without a report, right? I mean, anyway. That's a good report, good article. I'm not trying to poo-poo the article. Pardon my language. Moving on. Uh, Ukraine. Uh, this is our only tank story. I know we've been doing a lot of armor stories lately. This is our only one. This is from Defense Post. First Leopard tanks, Leopard 1 tanks, arrive in Ukraine. This is from Denmark. Uh, this is a story from 8 September. The first 10 Leopard 1 tanks donated by Germany, Denmark, and Netherlands have arrived in, have arrived in Ukraine, and more are on the way. That's from Denmark's armed forces, they said on Friday, two days ago. Uh, the D D Danish armed forces have said in a statement that the first 10 tanks have been sent to Ukraine and more on the way. Danish troops in Germany are training Ukrainian forces to use a vehicle, the army added. That's it. Real short article there. So the first 10 are Ukraine Leopard 1 tanks. And that's our only tank story. Uh, here's some. We have three Poland stories in a row since we're in that neck of the woods. First one is Javelin. So this is from Andrew White, defense, breaking defense from 7 September. And first, Javelin anti-tank missile missiles to be produced outside the United States, obviously in U uh, Poland, which is why we're doing the article. Uh, the Javelin anti-tank guided missile ATGM will be produced outside the United States for the first time following a new agreement between its U.S.-based makers and Poland's PGZ. Signed on Wednesday, a memorandum of understanding will explore the establishment of a final assembly facility in Poland, as well as the manufacture of certain components of the weapon system. And that's a statement from Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, and PGC. In May of 22, Lockheed Martin announced they were planning to nearly double their manufacture of Javelin in the United States from 2,100 units a year to 3,960 by 2026, almost doubling it. In 2020, Poland's Ministry of Defense signed a 55, I'm sorry, a 54.5 million dollar contract with with JJV. Who's JJV again? Uh, never mind. Lockheed Martin Raytheon Joint Venture. Got it. So Javelin Joint Venture. I'm sorry, I should have said that before. So in 2020, Poland's Ministry of Defense signed a $54.5 million contract with Javelin Joint Venture for a total of 180 Javelins and 60 command launch units, also known as CLUES. This was followed by a second unit, uh, second agreement signed in the first quarter of FY23 
which will see the delivery of an additional 500 missiles and additional 50 clues, which will include the new lightweight clue. The new lightweight clue, of course, is still in development. Of course, they've been messing with that sucker for how long now? Years. I don't know why they can't get that lightweight clue out. It's been, they've been messing with it for years. Uh, if you combine the first contract and the second one, it's worth $158 million. And, of course, they include training and logistics support. Plus, it includes 180 plus 500, 680 Javelin missiles and 110 clues. And that's the end of the story. So a good Javelin story. Always up for a good Javelin story. Second story from Poland. This is from Bart Glowacki, defense, uh, Breaking Defense. Boeing offers 15 EX for Poland, but details are scant. This is from 7 September. Boeing today announces actively seeking to sell the 15, F-15EX fighter to Poland. But for now, both sides are keeping their cards close to the, their chest. On Thursday, Boeing held a press conference at the MSPO trade show. Although it offered little in details of what the F-15 EX buy would look like. The director of business development for Boeing's F-15 program declined to talk about price or delivery schedule for the American's firm offering to Warsaw. He also acknowledged that there are no negotiations and no contract talks, only some conversations with the Polish Air Force. So, doesn't sound like there's much there, right? I mean, the Poland's already getting the F-35s. Why do they want F-15EXs? I don't know. The article will tell us. So Poland does have a stated desire to increase the number of fighter jets in service. Uh, that's from Poland's, the chief of Poland's Air Force. He previously stated the service should have 160 combat aircraft, which is the equivalent of 10 tactical squadrons. So I guess it's a squadron is... 16 aircraft. Didn't know that. Writing that down. Uh, under this rubric, Poland buying two or three squadrons of 15 EX, which is between 32 and 48 aircraft, for an air dominance requirement could make sense, even with Warsaw under already under contract for the FA-50, which we know, and the F-35. According to information provided by Boeing, the company St. Louis Facility output is 12, 15 EXs per year, which could grow to 25, um, 24 per year. Double. If the export wins come, the company said the production could grow up to 36 per year, almost triple. The company also said the current time between signing an agreement and delivery of first aircraft is 36 months. Okay, that's second Poland story. F-15s. And here's the last one. Poland... MBDA PGZ to develop medium range air defense missile. European missile maker MBDA and Polish defense company PGZ will jointly develop a surface to air missile to add a medium range capacity to Poland's air defenses, according to a statement on Wednesday. This article is coming from Defense News. Rudy Rutenberg. The company signed a letter of intent to work on a medium range low-cost interceptor based upon UK's common anti-air modular missile, also known as CAM. The developmental process will be a multi-year program, a company spokesman told Defense News. This agreement comes as the United Kingdom and Poland seek to deepen defense ties with British Defense Procurement Minister James Cartledge visiting Poland's largest defense trade show this week. 
which will be last week, right? Uh, in April, the country, both countries announced a 1.9 billion pound or U.S. 2.4 billion dollar contract to supply Poland with launchers and cam short-range missiles, the largest defense export contract between the two nations. The article kind of meanders along here, but the bottom line is, and here's the bottom line, the ambition for the new missile is to serve both Polish and British militaries as a common munition with a dual source of production. And of course, this common missile is the medium-range air defense missile. If you read the article, you have to read the article yourself. The article title says Poland and MBDA is going to develop B- PGZ Poland, right? And MBDA is going to develop a medium range air defense missile based upon the CAM missile, right? Air defense, no problem there. But the article starts talking about a long range development, and then the article starts talking about a short range development. It's kind of a confusing article, but I wanted to. The only reason why I wasn't going to do it, but the only reason why I did it is just to show the the depth of Poland's defense acquisitions. One minute we're talking, I mean, last episode we talked about buying these radars, air defense radars, high quality air defense radars. Then we're talking about them buying F-15 EXs, you know, along with their F-35s and F-A-50s. Then we're talking about them buying and producing Javelin missiles. And now here we are talking about and developing, buying and developing a medium range air defense weapon. So, I'm not trying to detract from the article. Read the article yourself, but uh, basically, the gist of the article is a medium-range air defense missile based upon the CAM missile that the UK uses. All right, I've murdered that story enough. I probably shouldn't have done it. All right, now we're going to get to the Pacific. We've got uh, two North Korea stories, a China story, and a Singapore story out of left field, but it's a good one. What am I doing on time? 22 minutes. I'm all right. So this is from Defense News. Mike Yeo, see North Korea's new ballistic missile submarine. 8 September, North Korea has launched a new ballistic missile submarine believed to be capable of firing both ballistic and cruise missiles. State media showed North Korean leader Kim Jong-un at the September 6th launch ceremony for the submarine named the hero Kim Gun-ok. You know, of course, I'm messing that up. The event took place at the Ponde Submarine Factory located in North Korea's Senpo shipyard. The government described the boat as a tactical nuclear attack submarine. North Korean state media quoted Kim as saying at the ceremony that the country will accelerate nuclear armament of the Navy without let-up, while also pushing forward a plan to building nuclear submarines. He also reportedly said in his speech that the submarine will be ready to carry out both preemptive and retaliatory strikes and is intended to counter United States and South Korean invasion fleets. Uh, analysts believe the boat is rebuilt and modernized Soviet-designed Romeo-class diesel-electric submarine. Joseph Dempsey is a research associate for defense and military analysis at the International Institute for Strategic Studies. He said that the photos released by the North Korean state had censored the sub's propeller area, possibly in a bid to conceal its origins. Dempsey also believed that the newly launched submarine is the same one North Korea showed off on a 2019 visit by Kim to Sinpo. High-resolution imagery released by the government showed a large missile compartment was added to the sail of the submarine with 10 hatches, believed to be for vertical-launch missile tubes that are visible. 
The hatches are laid out in two rows of five, with four appearing larger than the remaining six. Hmm, submarine. The former is believed to be housing submarine launched for ballistic missiles, while the latter is to house launch tubes for submarine cruise launch missiles. I'm trying to picture this in my head, right? Four, four are larger than the six. There's ten of them, two rows of five. Submarine cruise launch, launch missiles are larger, I guess, than the ballistic missiles. Who knows? Uh, the country's naval forces believe to operate 20 of these Romeo-class boats, although the current state of the rest of the fleet is unknown. So is it nuclear or not? Nobody knows. Next story from North Korea is Russians and Chinese officials attend North Korean anniversary parade. This is from Defense News. I'm sorry, break... My apology. This is from Defense Post from the staff on 9 September. Both of these stories are related, of course. That's why I'm doing them back to back. Uh, North Korea marked its founding anniversary with the parade attended by Kim Jong-un, as well as Russian dis- diplomats and a high-ranking Chinese delegation. This is from the state media that said on Saturday. Uh, President Kim was f- flanked by his young daughter, who looked on smiling and clapping, the Kim Il-sung Square was full of excitement and joy. Of spectators significantly celebrating the birthday of their great and powerful country. That's from the official Korean Central News Agency. All the participants paid the highest glory and warmest thanks to Kim Jong-un, who is a peerless patriot and ever-victorious iron-willed commander. <clears throat> Kim met with a chi- uh, visiting Chinese delegation led by... Liz Gu Hong, Vice Premier of the State Council. This is the second such visit by top officials from Beijing in six weeks. The two sides announced their aims of further intensifying a multifaceted cooperation and coordination between both countries. Russian diplomats also attended the event, as well as a Russian military song and dance ensemble. Moscow expanded its official president in North Korea shortly before the parade, with his Pyongyang embassy this week saying it had been allowed to bring in 20 diplomatic and technical staff. Russian President Vladimir Putin sent Kim a message marking the anniversary in which he called for the two countries to expand, expand bilateral ties in all aspects. And according to Chinese state media, President Xi Jinping extended congratulations in a call to Kim Jong-un on the anniversary. Almost done here. Uh, The Chinese and Russian visits come as speculation mounts that Kim, who rarely leaves his country and has not traveled since the coronavirus pandemic, will meet Putin to discuss arms deals. U.S. and other officials told the New York Times that Kim is likely to head by an armored train later this month to Vladivostok on Russia's Pacific coast, not far from North Korea, to meet Putin. Moscow's move to boost ties with Pyongyang include possible Navy drills or general diplomatic blackmail of Washington. For whatever that means. The parade comes two days after Pyongyang unveiled its first tactical nuclear submarine, with Kim declaring as part of a push forward with nuclear weaponization of the Navy, which is the story we just referred to. So while we're in the Pacific, that's the second North Korean story. We'll go to Taiwan. 
This is from USNI, United States and Canadian warships transit Taiwan Strait from 9 September. Yesterday, Sam Legrone, an American guided missile destroyer and a Ra- Royal Canadian Naval frigate sailed through the Taiwan Strait in tandem during, during a Saturday transit. That's from the U.S. 7th Fleet. The Japan-based USS Ralph Johnson DDG-114 and HMCS Ottawa FFH-341 passed through the strait after drilling with Japanese ships in the East China Sea and near Okinawa. A Canadian Broadcasting Corporation crew aboard the Ottawa took footage of a People's Liberation Army Navy guided missile destroyer shadowing the formation. The Type 052D Lu Yang 3 guided missile destroyer was identified as a CNS Hot Hot 161, according to the CBC report. Uh, here's a quote from, from the CBC. The heavily armed Chinese destroyer closely followed the convoy of ships in the East China Sea, calling out repeatedly to the Canadians on maritime radio and coming, coming within just over a kilometer of the Allied ships. The last reported U.S. surface ship transit was by U.S. Coast Guard Cutter, U.S. Coast Guard Stratton, U.S. Coast Guard Cutter Stratton, WMSL 752 in June. So about however many months ago was that, three months ago? And real quick, we'll do a statement from the 7th Fleet from September 9th. The Arleigh Burke-class guided missile destroyer USS Ralph Johnson DDG-114 and Royal Canadian Navy Halifax-class frigate HMCS Ottawa FFH-341 conducted a routine Taiwan Strait transit on September 9 local time through waters where high seas freedom of navigation and overflight apply in accordance with international law. The ship transited through a corridor in the strait that is beyond the territory sea of any coastal state. It goes on, but you get the idea. And then now here's a China's reaction to it. This is from 10 September today. China on high alert after U.S.-Canadian ships transit Taiwan Strait. This is from Defense Post staff. China said on Saturday yesterday its troops were on constant high alert after two ships belonging to the United States and Canada transited through the Taiwan Strait. The Eastern Theater Command of China's PLA organized naval and air forces trailed the entire course of the U.S. ship and Canadian ship and stood alert in accordance with laws and regulations. That's from Senior Colonel Shi Yi. Uh, here's a quote. Troops in the theater remain on constant high alert and will resolutely protect national sovereignty and security, as well as regional peace and stability. She said that the two ships, identified in a statement only as Johnson of the United States and Ottawa of Canada, had openly hyped up their passage through the waters. That's a nice... (laughs) She said the two ships, identified in the statement only as Johnson of the United States and Ottawa of Canada, had openly hyped up their passage through the waters. Well, they brought a TV camera with them, didn't they? At least the Canadian ship did. Washington diplomatically recognizes Beijing over Taipei, but maintains de facto relations with democratic Taiwan and supports the island's right to decide its own future. The United States and Western allies have increased freedom of navigation and, quotes, crossings by naval vessels of both the Taiwan Strait and the disputed South China Sea to reinforce that both are international waterways, which anger Beijing. 
And the last story, it's a good story. Uh, since we're in that neck of the woods, we'll go from ta- uh, Taiwan to Singapore. Not too far, right? Uh, Singapore revealed upgraded F-16 jets can fire Python 5 missiles from Mike Eos, 8 September. A couple stories from Mike. Defense News, Singapore's upgraded F-16 fighter jets can now fire Python 5 air-to-air missiles, the country has confirmed. An information board showcasing the upgraded Lockheed Martin F-16 Falcons for the Republic of Singapore's Air Force lists the Python 5, which is made by Israeli company Rafael, among the air weapons the aircraft can use. Let's see what else. The Python 5 is a fifth-generation air-to-air and ground-based air defense mus- missile. That's from Raphael. Uh, commemor- a commemorative unit patch for the Singaporean F-16 upgrade program has shown a Python missile, hinting at its eventual integration with the jet. This is kind of interesting. The U.S. Air Force's 416th Flight Test Squadron, based at Edwards Air Force Base in California, issued the patch. Singapore's F-16 pilots also used a display and sight helmet system made by Israeli firm Elbit. This allows pilots to aim weapons by looking at the target. The integration of the Python 5 will enable the service greater commonality in the munitions inventory. Singapore is already operating the Rafael Spider ground-based air defense system, which uses the Python 5. Of course, both are made by Rafael. The company describes the Python 5 as a fifth-generation air-to-air missile and says it provides a pilot with a full spear launch capability, enabling engagements against targets from the short to beyond visual range at any point of the compass around the launch aircraft. Singapore and Israel have had a close relationship since the former's independence from Malaysia in 1965, and with Israel providing instrumental support in helping set up Singapore's military. So that's it. What am I at? 34 minutes. Singapore. How many stories tonight? One, two, three. Eleven stories. Some in the Pacific, some in Europe. Do we have any American stories? Not one. Not one domestic story today other than the uh, one from Taiwan. Canada and the United States ship going through the Taiwan Strait. So that's it. Uh, I could have did half of these stories on the episode I did just the other day, but I had too many, so I knew I was probably going to do two programs this weekend, which, as promised, I did. Um, That's it. 163 is in the books. I hope I didn't keep you too long on a Sunday night. I know everybody's got to go to work tomorrow. I know I do. So I'll finish this up and get it out tonight. And with that, 163 is in the books. Thank you very much for listening. And, of course, As always, thank you very much for your support, and good night.